Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the Epic Roster Watch Podcast, brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap here for the DFS Week Seven breakdown and walkthrough pod, uh, rolling solo here and hopefully getting through it a little bit quickly so I can be on our SiriusXM radio show in time. It's a cool slate this week, an 11 gamer. Um, so let's just hop right into it. We'll go game by game as usual. Before we do, actually, just a quick thank you to everybody that's leaving ratings and reviews recently. We had a big surge in them, uh, up to over 500 now. I'm going to be getting back with a few of you guys to send you pro memberships at rosterwatch.com if you left your um, Twitter or Instagram handle. And once we get to 600, I'm going to do it again. But as I always say, if you like the content, if you appreciate it, this is a lot of extra work for us to get these podcasts out. I do this between my Roto Grinder show and getting the Vegas tool up and then the Saturday night show where we answer a ton of questions. And then, of course, it's just things get super hectic on Sunday mornings with, you know, I play in a ton of fantasy leagues and I play a lot of DFS and um, just have a ton of different, you know, survivor leagues and pickums and just a bunch of different stuff that I have to do on Sunday mornings besides just do a national radio show. So um, if you appreciate these pods and, and you want to keep them coming with the frequency that they are, please just give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does mean a lot to us. And thank you so much to those of you who have, except for the one guy that left a shitty review. Fuck you. You can fuck off. Okay, and now we get started. Uh, Oakland at Green Bay, a 47 over under in this thing after opening up at 46. Green Bay opened as a seven point favorite at home, now down to just minus four and a half. Uh, wish I would have gotten uh, Oakland at minus seven for the super contest. Uh, I managed to get them at four and a half uh, earlier in the week, so a little bit late on that one. 52% of the tickets on the over in this game, but 82% of the money. So Vegas thinking that this thing could shoot out. Uh, all right, so who are the plays? On the Let's just start on the Green Bay side because we're going to need to wait until tomorrow morning, Sunday morning, to really know what the hell we're going to do with Alan Lazard, the Lazard King, or if Jake Kumaro could come into play. Darius Shepard and Ryan Grant are the only two other options that we'll have as far as the Packers wide receiver core. Now, that's assuming that Devontae Adams, who had a weird sort of um, – change in injury designation on Saturday from out and popped into questionable for a quick minute there. I don't know if that was just a, a blip on the NFL.com uh, server or whether like maybe he's you know trying to trying to play in this game on the turf toe. With Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Geronimo Allison, those guys did not practice all week. Marquez Valdez-Scantling last week finished the game, though, so there's some optimism that he might play. If there is no Marquez Valdez-Scantling, there is no... Uh, Geronimo Allison and there is no Devontae Adams I think that Alan Lazard becomes a fine play Uh, we heard Aaron Rodgers talk all about him with uh, whoever's the I forget her name was Lisa Salters after that uh, primetime island game last week and he said that he's been politicking to get Alan Lazard out on the field so Alan Lazard was a guy who at his senior bowl did not pop off much to us. He had a lot of trouble separating. If you dig deeper into his analytic profile, that makes a lot of sense because he does have some top end, you know, speed from a size adjusted standpoint, but his his size adjusted agility just is not that good. With that being said, having Aaron Rodgers behind you and confident in you really does mean a lot. And at the, you know, 
absolute minimum price on DraftKings, three thousand, uh, forty-five hundred on FanDuel. He could come into play if we don't get any of those guys. I think if we get any one of them back, like let's say MVS plays or or you know uh, Geronimo plays or something like that, it just becomes a weird situation where we could just see a bunch of two tight end sets, extra Jimmy Graham, extra Mercedes Lewis, and who knows if it's going to be Jake Kumaro on the other side or whether it's – I mean – it becomes a little bit more thin then. I think it's still in play, though, because he is minimum price. And um, and that's the main thing to consider here with the Green Bay side. I, like Aaron Jones and this whole thing, I don't know what they're doing with him. But, boy, if I were his fantasy owner, which I'm not anywhere, I, I'd be I'd be pissed off with you know the fact that he gets his opportunity versus Dallas. Goes absolutely bonkers. And then the minute that Jamal Williams comes back, he's back to the lead back role. <laughs> so, um We'll see how things go. No interest in either of those guys. On the Oakland side, no Tyrell Williams this week. So that should mean an uptick for Darren Waller. I don't even know who else they would really throw to here in this sport. Hunter Renfro, Keelan Doss, Zay Jones. I mean, who's been there for all, all of a week. So uh, my interest on the Oakland side is squarely on Josh Jacobs. We have Oakland coming off of bye. Um John Gruden saying in the weeks before the bye that they were interested in getting him more involved in the receiving game. I believe I'll pull up his uh, let me just pull up his game log and see because if you if you look and see what on, on the season, Josh Jacobs only averaging 1.6 targets per game, but I do believe over the course of the last two, I think he's averaging three targets per game. So we've been seeing a little bit of an uptick there. I want to just check and make sure we don't have you know we don't do show sheets here on the unprepared cast so um let me just take a look at josh jacobs here he's just he's only five thousand on DraftKings, so a much better play over there on dk and no not six targets but five targets over the course of the last uh two weeks which is better than the five combined that he had over the course of the previous of the first four weeks of the season so they're getting him more involved in the game plan, getting more involved in the passing game. And who else are they going to throw it to? They, like, they drafted Josh Jacobs because he can catch the football. Like, he, he's, he's, he's good at that. They even said that at, during the time of the draft. So, um, love Josh Jacobs this week. And I think a lot of people won't be on him on DraftKings because they're going to be um, pl- interested in playing guys right around him in pricing, like carry on Johnson for 5,100, Latavius Murray's 5,100. Um, a lot of guys there sort of in that uh, – Devontae Freeman's 5,400. So I, I don't – I think he'll be overlooked, and I love Josh Jacobs this week. All right, Miami at Buffalo. Miami, of course, is 0-5, and they're 17-point underdogs as they travel to the 4-1 Buffalo Bills. 65% of the tickets here on the Miami Dolphins to cover the 17 and 85% of the money. So the Sharps think that this thing is going to be low scoring and that Miami is going to keep it within 17. 54% of the tickets on the under in this game of 41.5, but only 20%. Of the money, so actually they don't think it's going to be low. So fifty-four percent on the tickets on the under, twenty percent of the money. So actually the sharps think that this thing is going to go over. It's the public that thinks this thing is going to be low scoring. The sharps think that this thing is going to actually have some points, but that Miami covers, which is interesting to me. Look, to the fucking all, all that matters to me is I'm not playing anybody on the Miami side. I don't care. I love the Buffalo defense. I think Frank Gore is a perfectly fine play. We have Devin Singletary, 
returning uh, from his, what, he had a three, four, five. So his three-game absence with the bye. And, you know, he's only touched the ball, what, he's touched the ball uh, 15 times this year. But the fact of the matter is his fantasy outings on DraftKings have been 14.8 points on on uh, DK, 11.7 points uh, um, versus the New York Giants, uh, and then like 14.8 at the New York Jets. So he's been dynamic when he's gotten the ball in his hands. And what better game than Miami to let your rookie kind of see what he does? Is Devin Singletary from the city of Miami? Is he from, I know he played at Florida Atlantic. Is he from the 305? Devin Singletary Wiki. Let's see. He was born September 3rd of 1997, which makes me feel old as shit. He's from Deerfield Beach, Florida, which is a principal city of the Miami metropolitan area. Revenge. I can smell it in the air. There's also Frank Gore revenge. I mean, he's, he, Lord knows he has ties to Miami. Both these guys could go off. Josh Allen could go off. Uh, you, if, you, you, if you're going to pair him with somebody, I think pairing with John Brown makes a ton of sense. You're going to hear some interest in guys like Duke Williams, who sort of stepped in. and Duke Williams, a high school recruiting phenom, and I believe he played in the Arena League or the CFL or something like that. CFL. Um, but, yeah, I mean, certainly interesting now that Zay is gone, maybe Duke Williams. I think that they hate Robert Foster. You also hear a little bit of talk about Cole Beasley in this matchup. I think you just hear talk about everybody in this matchup because they're going against the Miami Dolphins, and Miami's just is so bad. You can run out Josh Allen naked, which means you you know you can you can run out Josh Allen without attaching him to any of these other players. I think I'd be most interested in running him out with John Brown at fifty five hundred over there on DraftKings. Maybe a little bit better value for John Brown. If you're looking to play him, uh, getting it done over there on FanDuel, where I be- he's under 6K, I think he's 5,800. Let me just look and see here. John Brown, get this Devin Singletary Wikipedia page the hell out of here. <laughs> Let's see, John Brown, yeah, 5,900 on DraftKings. He's plus 150 to score in this spot, so uh, you know you got to feel like you could definitely do worse there. I mean, Buffalo. Look, play the Buffalo defense. Play Josh Allen. All these guys are fine. They're all in our models over at rosterwatch.com. Of course, all of our content can be found over there. Vegas tool, cheat sheets, hyper DFS lineup generator, et cetera, et cetera. The most popular DFS game of the day: the Los Angeles Rams traveling to the Atlanta Falcons. As the Los Angeles Rams have mortgaged their future to move all in during a three and three season to get Jalen Ramsey even though they play in a division, as pointed out by our friend Evan Silva on Twitter, that doesn't really feature a, a, a wide receiver that they need to really shut down on the perimeter. At least not yet. You never, I mean, DK Metcalf could develop into that. There, there are players who could develop into that guy. But it's definitely an interesting sort of, uh, interesting sort of move for them to make. Regardless, we have a... A three-point line in this game where the Rams are three-point favorites despite Jared Goff's putrid game last week. It just goes to show how shitty this Atlanta defense really is. The over-under, though, is the highest of the week, 54. 
it has been bet up from 52 and a half. We have about 60% of the bets on the over and about 60% of the money on the over. So we have, you know, sharp sentiment aligning right there with the public sentiment. It looks like 79% of the bets are on the Rams along with 72% of the money. So, uh, I mean, a little bit less money on the Rams than, than public sentiment, but, um, you know, it's definitely the the fade the public move to go with the Atlanta Falcons here at, at plus three in a game that they might have to win to keep Dan Quinn employed. And I'm not even sure you can keep Dan Quinn employed at this point. Atlanta now one and five. Um, but look, man, like I mentioned, it, the, the, McVay, Les Snead, these guys are moving all in. They, they need a win this week. And the good thing about Jared Goff, I told you last week on this podcast, I told you last week on the radio show, I've heard it, I've heard this picked up now that people are describing what happened last week, what I was predicting last week, and that was I don't care about the Jared Goff home road splits. I care about Jared Goff whether or not he's playing under pressure. And I didn't I didn't like him versus San Francisco. This week against Atlanta, who can't pressure anybody to save their lives. I, I, I love Jared Goff. McVay's got to win. He's got to dial it up this week. He's got to get Jared Goff going. And what does that mean? We love Cooper Cup. We love Robert Woods. We love Brandon Cooks. Now the question is, picking out between those guys, what the hell you're going to do is tough. Is it the week where we get paid out all the way down to the cheapest one, Brandon Cooks? He's in a dome. There's going to be time for these plays to develop. We got a week of McVay dialing things up. We know he likes to be a mad professor and sorcerer with Brandon Cooks. Maybe that could be the play over Cooper Cup this week, even though we know that even, even more so after Keanu Neal went out, these slot-wide receivers, they get open against the Falcons, and once they get open, they can run and run and run. So it's just Goff, Cup, Woods, all those guys. Going to hyper-DFS – Mess around with lineups featuring all of them. And you know what? If, if you're playing, Jared, you know, we have a $10 millionaire maker this week on DraftKings. I figure a lot of you guys will be playing on that. If it, in order for Jared Goff to win the millionaire maker, he needs two of these guys to have absolute bananas games. Two. So just something to keep in mind. You know, if you're playing cash, which is what I recommend, I, I, you know, You could pair him with one guy and you can just take your choice, but it's almost like you give yourself a little bit of a cheap cop out in tournaments. You're saying, well, look, if I'm playing golf, I'm pairing him with two guys because to win the tournament, which is all I really care about, I don't care about placing the top 10% and getting 1.5 X on my, you know, 1.5 X on my entry. I want to win. That's why you're playing a tournament. You want to win. And so, If you do feel like Jared Goff can be a tournament winner for you, what you're saying is, I feel like Jared Goff can be the top quarterback on this slate, which in this, I mean, he's in the highest over under of the week. It's a close spread. He's going against the best off, going against the best defense and the, technically the best offense as far as these offenses aligning with the way that they like to do things. Like this game environment is perfect for a bounce back from Jared Goff. And so if you think that Sean McVay and Jared Goff can dial things up, get things going against this shitty defense, you need to think to yourself, can they be the best quarterback on the slate? And you think, all right, yeah, I think maybe they can. All right, so how can that happen? And that's, you know, Brandon Cooks having two touchdowns, Cooper Cup having two touchdowns, 
Maybe throwing another to Todd Gurley or something like that. If that's the case, you're going to need to be stacking him with a couple of his options. You're going to need both those guys, and you're going to need that performance out of Jared Goff, so it doesn't make any sense not to be stacking him with two. It makes it a little bit easier in this Rams offense that it's just always so hard to pick which one of these wide receivers we're going to choose, especially in a spot like this where we, I mean, they've been easy in the slot. Now with Atlanta, it looks like Desmond Trufant's hurt. It's like this, there's advantages everywhere. So why not pick a couple of them if you're going to stack this game? Look, I mentioned Gurley. He's cheap on DraftKings. Maybe you can play him because there's no Malcolm Brown, but there is a little bit of a worry about Daryl Henderson. I'm not playing him unless it's just the deepest of, you know, dart throws, and I'm just not sure. I think he might actually get a little ownership because he looked good last week. We'll have to see uh, over there. And then on the Atlanta side, play Matt Ryan. Devontae Freeman's cheap. He represents a great pivot off of the passing game in this spot. But Matt Ryan, as you've heard everybody talk about, if you've read any of your DFS articles this week or any fantasy articles, just listen to fantasy sports radio or anything, he's a lot for that 300-yard bonus on DraftKings every single week. Has he gotten it every week? It just it feels like he gets it every week. He's not going to hurt you running the football. But, I mean, down here at this price, he's only 6,300, like quarterback eight on the whole entire slate. And his game logs, yeah, he's gotten you 300 every week. Much more some weeks. 397 versus Tennessee. Gee whiz. So, um, yeah, play him. Stack him with Julio. Stack him with Ridley. Of course, stack him with Hooper. Devontae Freeman, keep him in mind. And, of course, you know, our boy, Mosa New. Why not? No one will play that guy. Minnesota travels to the Detroit Lions. Minnesota is two-and-a-half-point favorites in this game after opening as a pick em. Um, I can't believe that opened as a pick and is now looking like it could get to Minnesota minus three. Um, 43 and a half over under this thing after opening at 44. 61% of the tickets on Minnesota, 72% of the money. 50% of the tickets on the under, 71% of the money. So the Sharps think this game goes under. With that being said, you know, we have interesting plays all over the place here. Look, on the Minnesota side, I don't think I'm going to be running back to the Kirk Cousins, Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen sort of stacks just because I worry about just what a good matchup this is for Dalvin Cook. I, want to, I just want a ton of Dalvin. Because on the outside, Stephon Diggs was, I mean, Darius Slay on the inside in the slot. That's gotten a lot tougher this year with Justin Coleman. That's, of course, for Adam Thielen. I just this is a Dalvin this is a Dalvin Cook blow up spot. Whenever you look at the look at the uh, matchup tool at rosterwatch.com, uh, we have Dalvin Cook actually is our number one running back on the week this week. He's just getting so much volume. Twenty one point eight uh, touches per game. The targets per game is up to four and a half, and this is our number seven matchup of the week in Detroit. Whereas, if you look at the matchup this week for say, Stephon Diggs. It's a, it's a much more middling matchup of number 15. So this is a game wherever Stefanski and Zimmer are going to have their hands forced to do what they want to do, which is run the football, unlike last week where their hands were forced just to throw all over the shitty Eagles. So Dalvin Cook, I just I love this week, and I, I think that, um, you know, between him and we'll, – we'll, we'll get to the other guy I just think is a lock, but Dalvin Cook just in for a monster week this week. 
Definitely love him. And then on the Detroit side, Carryon Johnson's real cheap at 5100 uh, over on DraftKings. So I think you could play him over there, but certainly not the best matchup. When you look at the roster watch matchup tool, um, Carryon Johnson is facing the fourth worst matchup of the week. He is minus 110 to score. And, I mean, the usage is there. He is getting those 19.2 touches per game. It's just only 2.6 targets per game. I don't know how much that's you know, reasonably going to change. You know, you, we have seen in the past Marvin Jones has taken Xavier Rhodes and just sat him in the corner and told him, sit down, son. So do we get Xavier Rhodes on Galladay or Marvin Jones? I don't know. Either way, I think both those guys are perfectly suitable and perfectly in play. My buddy Derek Cardi, who I do the Blitz show with on Roto Grinders, is actually on Matt Stafford this week, which I told him was cockamamie. However, the last time I told him one of his cash game plays was cockamamie, he took that cash game lineup with Teddy Bridgewater and almost shipped the millionaire maker. So <laughs> who knows? Maybe take an extra look there at Matt Stafford if you're interested. I just I don't I don't see it. The Houston Texans travel to the Indianapolis Colts. I believe the Colts are now coming off by. Uh, this game has gone from a 47.5 total to a 47 total. Indy is a one-point favorite here in this spot. The public sentiment and the tickets are lining up perfectly for the books here. They're, they are all right at 50%. So people think that this line is just dialed in perfect, and the, that makes things easy for the books because they just collect on either side with the juice. The Indy defense here is only 2,000 on DraftKings. I think they'll be popular, not because Houston sucks, but just because we've seen that Deshaun Watson has a bad offensive line and pass protection and has been um, you know, reasonably open to taking sacks. We should get a lot of dropbacks here in this game. Um, on the Indy side, I mean, Marlon Mack, do you really want to run him up against Houston that's much easier to throw on than they are to – to, to run on. I'm not sure that I do. I think that the most popular wide receiver play on this slate will be T.Y. Hilton, who everybody talks about how badly he kills the Texans, which is kind of true. I will say it's usually in Houston that he does most of his damage versus the Texans. Do you remember when he wore that clown mask? <laughs> he wore a clown mask because they were there was something about calling him a clown last year, and he just came in and just murked those assholes. Um, after T.Y. Hilton, my interest on this team I just, you know, for a game with a 47 total, I'm finding myself not wanting to play. I, DeAndre Hopkins, when are we going to when are we gonna see something out of him? I know last week, like, and every week people are going to say, this is the week, this is the week, this is the week, this is the week. I'm just not sure. It's like we worry about Eberflus's scheme for guys like Will Fuller. It's a bend but don't break scheme, right? It's like Quinn's scheme in 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 Atlanta. A lot of stuff over over the middle. Maybe that's helpful to the Texans tight ends. Maybe it's helpful to DeAndre Hopkins, who now is acting like a tight end with his route tree. I mean, what did he, did he have nine catches last week? That I mean, nine catches last week saved his bacon. But he it was twelve targets, nine catches for fifty five yards. So look, the volume is there. It's like it's it's like I heard my buddy Jeff Ratcliffe say on the serious, on his serious show, Pro Football Focus. He would be more worried if DeAndre to recommend DeAndre Hopkins this week. If DeAndre Hop and I completely agree, I would be more worried with this. I'm just I don't 
I, I want to give credit to Ratcliffe for this thought because it's, it's a good thought and a good thought experiment. I'd be more worried about recommending DeAndre Hopkins to you if he scored a touchdown on like 95 yards on six targets last week. Because I know that the usage is still there with the, with the, with, with the 12 targets, right? No, more than, no less than seven targets all, all year this year. I mean, he's still, like, the season long, that buy low window is still open on him. And could this be the week he blows up? Maybe. The buy low window could be gone at that point. I just, I'm beginning to think that, you know, until we see Hopkins break out and get back to being DeAndre Hopkins, that we need to be ranking DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller much more closely together because Will Fuller had like three touchdowns fall out of his pants last week. He could have had two, three touchdown days, two hat trick days and two Sundays in, in a row. And that can always happen. I just, I don't think this is the matchup for that kind of play from Will Fuller. Maybe we can, you know, wait until next week. But I just, I mean, Carlos Hyde popped up on the model. I'm not sure how interested I am in him. And as always, guys, all this podcast is, is just, this is, this is like my stream of consciousness and my thoughts about these games. Look at the models at Roster Watch. I don't always agree with them, but I don't ever change them. I don't fuck with them. I've learned better. To act like I know better than the math because of some cockamamie feeling I have. But so, so, I mean, the model likes Carlos Hyde. I don't. I'm not playing him. You can have have fun if you want to play him. Um, all right, let's move on to the next one here. Oh, and I think I think those tight ends are, are sneaky, just like like we said, how they how the Indianapolis Colts kind of like to they bend but they don't break. They allow those tight end receptions, those running back receptions. We had that sneaky feeling last week about Duke Johnson. We talked about it here on the pod. It didn't pay off in spades, but it, it paid off a little bit. Another guy that's been paying off for all of Roster Watch Nation, Kyler Murray, in a 50.5 total. It's a beautiful spot here for him traveling up to face the New York Giants. Is three-point underdogs here. I should say the, the Cardinals are three-point underdogs. Giants, three-point favorites at home. 69% of the tickets on the Giants to cover this. 85% of the money. So sharp support here for the Giants, actually, now that they are welcoming back Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram off of high ankle sprain, and sprained MCL, respectively. So, how do we handle this? On the Giants' side, we have to remember that Patrick Peterson is coming back for the Arizona Cardinals. And that changes things from the receiving game perspective for a guy like Darius Slayton, who will be lining up on the outside, or a Cody Latimer. No Sterling Shepard here, so Golden Tate out of the slot figures to probably be targeted fairly heavily, and Golden Tate is priced fairly on DraftKings for a guy that should be a PPR commodity. We did see him have the six receptions for 102 yards uh, there versus New England in a spot that was pretty pretty predictable that uh, that you know he would he would be able to. Um, kind of dink and dunk against those guys with a little bit of volume because Belichick will let you do that all game long if you're not going to break be, be completely breaking his back. Um, so this conti- he's going to continue lining up in the slot. There's no Sterling Shepard here, so no worries about whether or not 
His slot usage is going to be effective at this point in time. The only thing is Saquon Barkley back, Evan Ingram back. It's like it worries me for all of these guys receiving floors, and all of them have kind of bad props in the receiving game. Saquon Barkley doesn't have his usual six and a half, five and a half reception prop. He has a four and a half reception prop with juice on the under. So, you know, if he's 8,900 versus Dalvin at, at 8,000, I think what that does is it makes Saquon Barkley a good tournament play. Unless people are, you know, when I did my ownership projections, I did mine under the assumption that people would be like me and favor Dalvin Cook over Saquon coming back over a, uh, high ankle sprain, but if I look at Chris Gimino, our friend Chris Gimino over at Roto Grinders, he has Saquon Barkley as the third highest owned runner on this slate at 25%. So if, if I'm getting an ownership discount and I'm getting the actual money discount on Dalvin Cook, I think that's where I'm going. Could that be wrong? Absolutely. Saquon is a legit beast and he's sick. And this game profile is to have more plays run. A uh, quick note to remember, we, they did sign Buck Allen, off of the street, or I should say, out of the out of the out of the fucking trash can. Wayne Gallman, I believe, will be back this week. He got in full practices, so we'll see what happens there with him. Uh, Saquon could, be, you know, he could be eased back in, man. But but he also could have some of that Adrian Peterson blood. It'll be interesting to see for sure. Um, Evan Ingram, he's in the. Best matchup there is. The number one matchup for opposing tight ends. The only tight end all year that hasn't absolutely just Hulk smashed on these idiots is Tyler Eifert, who wasn't given much of an opportunity. I believe only ran 18 routes in that game that Cincinnati played. But literally, the other six team, the other five teams that have played versus Arizona, their tight ends have absolutely smashed. And Evan Ingram is one of the best tight ends in the league. So if you want to play him, play him. He's a better play on FanDuel than he is on DraftKings. I'm not going to be the guy that tells you that matchups don't don't matter. Our guy, my friend Derek Cardi, would tell you matchups don't matter. I like, you know, I had a little, I had a discussion with him about that today. I said that's kind of cocky, maybe to say, you know, for for a lot of reasons. You know, personnel matchups matter. Schematic nuances matter. If they didn't matter, we wouldn't have you know gone all the work to develop the matchup tool over the course of the last course. The last, what, since 2011, one, two, three, four, I don't even know, like eight, nine years. Um, yeah, that's the Giants side. What about the foul? What about the Arizona? Okay, so here's the deal with Arizona. You could play Kyler for sure. We have David Johnson now who on Friday, Cliff Kingsbury said if the game was today, he would not have played. They are reporting this is an ankle. So it's an ankle and I'm assuming still on top of the back that he wasn't able to fly back from the previous game uh, on the or sit down in his sit down in his chair on the flight back from the previous game. I guess they allow those assholes just to stand up on the plane. I don't know. They never let me stand up when my back hurts. Uh, certainly not during takeoff. <laughs> um, I, th- I think that they they probably fly a, a, a higher. Higher quality and, and grade of airline that I do there in the in the National Football League. Um, probably a little bit more, or I, I would say a little bit less 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 restrictive <laughs> about various rules and regulations. Regardless, um, if he can't go, Chase Edmonds becomes the best play 
on the slate at just 4,700 versus the Giants. So just keep that in mind. This is a 1 p.m. game. We'll get that news early. We'll also get the news about Christian Kirk. If there's no Christian Kirk, I mean, it, I think you just, if you play Kyler, you just maybe you play Larry Fitzgerald. And if there's no David Johnson, it's just, it's just wheels up for Chase Edmonds. Find any way you can to get him in. And, re- and, and remember I told you because that's going to be the key to it. And a lot of people will build their lineups and they like their lineups and that news will come. They'll be like, oh shit, I've already built my lineups. I really like them. I don't want to go through all these lineups and just, you know, but just go through all these lineups and get in Chase Edmonds. If there's no David Johnson. And I think on FanDuel, with the pricing on FanDuel, you know, he's only 300 less than Josh Jacobs on, uh, on, on DraftKings. But on FanDuel, he's like 5,200 or something like that. I almost think you could play him even if David Johnson plays. They're going to run a ton of plays in this game. Chase Edmonds has had standalone fantasy value as it is lately. I mean, what, what did he score you last week? I played, we played him last week. He was on the cheat sheet last week. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, he's gotten you 17.6 and 14.7 points the last two weeks. So um, if David Johnson plays, no one will play Chase Edmonds, and it could be a sneaky, a sneaky way to go if you're playing, playing one of these big tournaments. Um... Okay. Good talk. San Francisco at Washington. We have Kyle Shanahan Revenge here coming in as 10-point favorites over the shitty Washington Redskins. A 40-point total in this game. 64% of the bets on the under and 88% of the look bet the under in this game. The Sharps are betting it. I would bet it. Everybody's on San Francisco as well, the public and the Sharps. So, what are the plays? On the Washington side, I don't think there is one. Is there? No. Chris Thompson's out. Terry McLaurin versus Richard Sherman. No, thank you. We played Terry McLaurin last week and we profited. That was great. Not this week. There's no way I'm playing Adrian Peterson against this front. I mean, look, man, I love the San Francisco defense. I just... Maybe Tevin Coleman. If you play the San Francisco defense, play Tevin Coleman or Matt Breida. No one's going to play Jimmy Garoppolo because it's impossible to choose who to pair him with, but we have no Debo Samuel this week. We've seen a constant ticking up out of Dante Pettis as far as his usage. So maybe that could be something to keep an eye on. Um, but, you know, his, his targets are going up and up. His snap counts are going up and up. And there's no Debo Samuel this week. It's against a really, really shitty team. So... Maybe you could do worse than Dante Pettis, but I think for me, this is the San Francisco defense. This is the running game, and I'm getting the hell out of here. I'd rather just bet on this game, bet on a guy like Shanahan going in and just absolutely curb stomping these assholes and for it to stay pretty low scoring. Jacksonville at Cincy. This game is the last of the early window. Cincinnati is a four-and-a-half-point underdog here at home. Uh, the public sentiment right along with the sharp money at 74% on the Jacksonville Jaguars. 63% of the tickets are on the under, but only 53% of the money, indicating people think this could shoot out just a little bit. What are the, um, the storylines here? Okay, so with, with Cincinnati, we have them going up against a Jalen Ramsey-less um, a Jalen Ramsey-less Jacksonville defense. 
We should have mentioned that earlier when we talked about the Falcons, about what does Jalen Ramsey do with the Rams against Julio Jones. Of course, you can always play Julio. Of course, you can always play Calvin Ridley. Does Jalen? How much does Jalen Ramsey factor in? And like in his first game with the Atlanta Falcons, does he shadow Julio just in man? It seems like that's probably the easiest thing to tell somebody to do. Like, hey, hey, motherfucker, go out there and just fucking run around with that guy. Don't let him catch it. <laughs> or just, I don't know. Does he just maybe just? Um, you know, maybe he pulls a Marcus Peters, like not the L.A. Marcus Peters, but like a Marcus Peters from KC where it's just like he stays on one side of the field. So it's it, that's hard to tell. That's hard to tell. But we should we, we should have just if you're playing Julio and you're stacking that Atlanta game, Matt Ryan, et cetera, we talked all about it. I never mentioned Jalen Ramsey in that. And so Harry, when we talked about Jacksonville being Jalen Ramsey, it reminded me that that's something that you need to be thinking about. Um, maybe look for news in the morning, Sunday morning, about whether or not uh, there's talk about a shadow situation, if there's talk about you know, how they're going to handle that. Because if it is a shadow and we get Troy Hill on the other side versus Ridley, th- now that's jackpot. Okay, back to Cincy. Okay, so what, what was interesting last week with Baltimore and Cincy is that we saw their elite shutdown corner Marlon Humphrey move into the slot much to all of our chagrin that played Tyler Boyd and completely shut this dude out so Tyler Boyd's out of sight out of mind for a lot of folks he'll have a good matchup in the slot here versus Jacksonville I think he's probably the play on the Cincinnati side that I am most interested in People are going to talk about Joe Mixon, but I mean, come on. He just looks so bad. Yeah, that's a guy that I got to see it out of, you know. If you're not one of these kids, like he's a, he was a great player out of college. I liked him as a prospect out of college. I think he's kind of a shitty person. You know, he kind of hits, he kind of, you know, he, he hit, I want video hitting girls and stuff. If you're going to be kind of doing it, like I, I don't have fun rostering these guys. I'm like, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do it. Until he shows me that I'd like, I just, I'm losing money if I'm not. I've like, I play, I play fantasy to make money, but I also play because I like, I enjoy rooting for these guys. I mean, I'm just trying to think. I mean, Auden Tate, can you play him? It's just, there's so many other options there in that range. On the Jack, look, here's the deal. On the Jacksonville side, Leonard Fournette's the best play on the slate, assuming we don't get Chase Edmonds uh, opened up at 4,700. I mean, he should be, he should cost as much as, Dalvin or more here versus the number one matchup on the roster watch matchup tool. He's getting insane volume. He's going to be very heavily owned, probably over 30% owned. So if you're going to play him, you're not going to be alone. Um, you're going to have to play a lot of them to get over the field. But 23.5 touches per game uh, so far, that looks like it is the top on the whole entire main slate. His targets per game at six is one, two, three, four, five, sixth out of everybody on the main slate. And the only people who are ahead of him are like satellite backs like uh, Tariq Cohen, Austin Eckler, etc. Oh, uh, David Johnson, who you know we talked about. He's, he's, he's a game-time decision, but certainly he would be in a, he'd be in a really good spot this week if he's able to go and healthy. I'm just not sure if David Johnson's healthy, man. We didn't talk about that on the Atlanta, on the Arizona one, but 
His numbers have been bad. You forget he's old. He was old at the senior bowl. He's like 23 or 24. I think he's almost 27 or 28 already. So this could beginning this could be the beginning of um, the beginning of David Johnson's body starting to kind of betray him a, l- a little bit as an NFL runner. We certainly cross our fingers and hope not for his sake. Uh, what was I even talking about, man? I want to get on with David Johnson. We already talked about that. Was I talking about? Let's see. Get this sheet pulled back up. Oh yeah, Leonard Fournette, best play on the slate. <laughs> just. Just play him. Um, he's gonna he's gonna eat and eat. If you don't want to play him, what you do is you play Gardner Minshew and stack him with DJ Chark because he's in a great matchup too. And you know, for every touchdown that they score, that Leonard Fournette doesn't get in the box for, you're you know you're you're passing up thirty five percent of the field. So that that could be a that could be a good play there. Let's see if we can hammer through these what these last three games. Los Angeles Chargers traveling to this Tennessee Titans, two two and four teams. This opened up as a pick them. Tennessee's now two and a half point favorites, a 41.5 over under in this spot. On the Chargers side, it looks like they'll be getting back Russell Okung at the left tackle, which can't be understated. I mean, can't be overstated enough how important a left tackle is to a veteran, you know, less than mobile quarterback like Phillip Rivers. Nobody's talking about Keenan Allen after he let us down for three straight weeks. But not necessarily a horrible spot for him this week versus Logan Ryan. We also have Mike Williams, who is popping on Josh Hermsmeyer's buy low air yards model, as I believe the top option over there this week. I have heard it noted by, I believe, uh, John Proctor from over at the Power Hour. Is that where I heard it was? I think it was Proctor. It's usually Proctor's smart as shit. Um, that... A bunch of those air yards that went into that model had to do with a couple of Hail Marys at the end of that football game, which are, you know, clearly not the same type of air yards as, 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 as others. So just something to keep in mind there if you're buying into the air yards model there on Mike Williams. Um, Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon and DFS, I mean, you play them in season long, but in DFS, do you really want to? Look, my biggest interest in this game is on the other side with with a new quarterback coming in and Ryan Tannehill. They're going to lean on the run. This Chargers defense absolutely sucks. I love it for Derrick Henry. My buddy Derek Cardi on our Blitz show earlier today said one guy popping in his model was Adam Humphreys. I think he said it had to do with um, with Ryan Tannehill's previous tendencies. And if you do think about it, Ryan Tannehill used to target the shit out of Jarvis Landry in the slot down in Miami. So maybe there's something to be said for that. I just don't. I mean, in, in this week where there's a $10 millionaire maker, people are going to be loading up into that thing. You know, trying to think about winning tournaments. Is Adam Humphrey's going to win you a tournament? I think a 4%, 5% owned Derrick Henry has a much better chance of winning you that, winning you that damn tournament. Two more games here. Let's get to the next one. The New Orleans Saints and the Chicago Bears at 37 over-under in this thing after opening up at 38 and a half. And surely the line moved down on this one as soon as everybody realized there's no Alvin Kamara, there's no Jared Cook, there's, I mean, there's no Traquan Smith, it's Teddy Bridgewater. Who the hell is he going to throw the football to? I mean, the only plays on the Saints side are Latavius Murray and Michael Thomas. And you'll play Michael Thomas in a bad matchup because... Who else is Teddy going to throw to? 
You know, I mean, like I looked at Michael Thomas. He still has a decent prop this week. He always does. Low average depth of target. Teddy Bridgewater is just going to get him the football pretty often. He's plus 165 to score. Let's see, Michael Thomas. Um, Where is Michael Thomas? Why is Michael Thomas not on the sheet? I saw a prop on him earlier, I thought. Maybe we didn't get props on this game. Well, yeah, we didn't. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so we didn't get props on Michael Thomas. We got props on the other side of the game. I think that they just didn't want to. We'll see if we can get them. And if, if so, we'll get them up in the Vegas tool. I thought I saw somewhere, though. It might have been when I was on my bookie earlier, just looking over props. I thought it was 79 and a half, but don't quote me on that. Latavius, though, is a fine play. It's a bad matchup. But look, man, I mean, he could fall into four or five receptions. Who else are they going to throw it to in this spot? So he'll be, he'll be out there all the time. I mean, the, the only real backups they have there are guys like Zach Zinner and Dwayne Washington. So if you want to play him, it's fine. My only, problem, my only issue is I think he's better on FanDuel. On DraftKings, he's more expensive than Josh Jacobs. He's as expensive as Carrion Johnson. And do you know what you know what you could say about Carry On? Say, well, do you know what? Latavius is going to be on the field more than Carry On, and it's not like Carry On's in a great matchup either. And let, I mean, I can kind of I can actually un, un, understand that. I can't understand it with Jacobs though. I, I I like I prefer him as a play much more. Okay, uh, hopefully not overlooking anything there. And then finally, the hammer, the game that everybody's going to want to at least have some sort of piece of because it's the uh, three twenty five. Game with the 50-point over-under actually down to now down to 49 points. Baltimore travels to Seattle. Seattle's three-point favorites here in this one. 59% of the tickets are on Baltimore along with 71% of the money. So we're getting a lot of sharp support here for Baltimore, which is good for me because they are one of my super contest picks. Not the big super contest, just the 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 mybookie.ag 150k. Um Where to start? Okay, so on the Baltimore side, Lamar Jackson's a terrific play. Once again, has a has a 60-yard rushing prop. So he's going to get you basically a touchdown and a half with his legs alone. And the fact that there's no Marquise Brown makes Mark Andrews that much more of an excellent stacking partner. Mark Andrews is much cheaper than some of these others, and he's in a great spot this week. It makes that real easy. You get in Lamar, you get in Mark Andrews, you move on. You know, uh, who else are you going to want to like? I'm not going to play Mark Ingram here. I know it could be a bad mistake not to, but he's just not being utilized enough in the receiving game. We want to play him in these spots wherever we know that Baltimore is going to get up on somebody and run all over him like the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm not, I'm not sure that he's as good a play in this kind of track meet. And with his pricing on DraftKings being where it is, I mean, our, our, models, just, our models don't like him. He's only 400 less than Leonard Fournette. And he's, he's 100 more than Chris Carson on the other side. Who will, I mean, Chris Carson's a great play on the other side. You wonder, you'd love to play Russell Wilson, but you think, all right, well, who do I pair him with? Do I, do I, do I play the running game with Chris Carson? Do I pair him with Tyler Lockett? Do I worry, like we talked about, or this is important, do I worry, like we talked about earlier, Marlon Humphrey moving into the slot to guard the team's best option as opposed to the big, bulky outside option? 
as opposed to being on Auden Tate. Marlon Humphrey moved in to be on Tyler Boyd. Does he do the same to get away from DK Metcalf and be on Tyler Lockett? Because if he does, let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, I will be wanting to bring back my stacks of Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews with one DK Metcalf. <laughs> 